Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast, brought to you by Strata. I'm your host, Griffin Hamilton. This is the show where I interview industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights into modern day facilities management. From hospitality to commercial real estate and everything in between, we'll learn what it really takes to succeed as a facilities manager. This morning, I've got Bruce. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, both personally, professionally, and how you got into facilities management. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and again, thanks for having me. So I'm uh, my last position was operations and facilities manager at a nonprofit themed co-working space in downtown DC. Um, and so basically a, a quick uh, intro to that is, you know, I think most people know what a co-working space is by now. Um, if you don't, it's just a place where a bunch of organizations come together and have shared office space. This one in particular uh, was a completely open office space. Um, and so obviously that brings challenges with sound and sound masking and um, you know trying to implement some solutions there um, with some meeting rooms and call rooms uh, throughout the space. Um, and then you have, so when you have 50 different organizations, you have unique challenges with that. Um, yeah, I got started there a couple of years ago and, um, it was, it was really interesting. You know, they, I was pretty much kind of starting my career as, as an operations manager. I'd been in general management and office management. Um, but I really wanted to, um, buckle down on like the, the technical side of things, um, and so, yeah, the hub gave me a chance and it went really well. Um, and I've actually just recently started to do some kind of freelance consulting, uh, for nonprofits in particular, because they're very, li- have very limited resources in operations. Um, you know, whether they're at a co-working space or they're have their own space and they need help with the operations of the facilities. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Very cool. And just with your experience with the nonprofit in the nonprofit realm, um, give me some context there. Like how, how does that differ uh, in your mind from the private sector? <laughs> I mean, the main, the main thing is there's never enough money. Uh, and so when someone says, Hey, we need to, uh, we need to, you know, we have a problem. We need a, we need a solution. And they say, all right, we have in the, Private sector, you might say, okay, we have fifty thousand dollars allocated towards this. Nonprofit sector, they might be like, uh, well, we have five thousand uh, dollars that we might be able to squeeze out of the board for this. Uh, so you have to get really creative with what you're what you're doing. And one one example was uh, sound masking, soundproofing. Um, again, I mentioned the open space, and you know when you have one hundred and sixty desks um, in this. 15,000 square foot space, uh, you have to play with, you have to understand how the sound moves around the space. And uh, so I put in uh, auto mute soundproofing panels um, like halfway through the space um, so that it would block a lot of the glass um, and then put in Sonos speakers that played a waterfall um, on loop so that it would just create, you know, an ambient level of noise. So instead of trying to like 
mute the noise or like ask people, you know, uh, to do this or that, it would just raise the ambient level so that, you know, you don't notice those spikes. Um, so yeah, you have to get really creative in the nonprofit sector. You, you didn't want to play part-time librarian and tell everyone to be quiet. <laughs> you know, I would have enjoyed that. <laughs> That's great. Um, Walker. So, <laughs> so with, with you looking into those different technologies there and uh, like to your point, getting, having to get creative with the sound as an example, um, how else were you using technology in your day-to-day role? Yeah. Um, so we, like I mentioned, we had uh, several call rooms uh, and meeting rooms. And so from the very beginning, uh, when they built the space in 2015, they knew that video conferencing was going to be integral to, to what they were doing. Um, so thankfully, they had um, flat screens and Logitech cameras um, in every room. And so, you know, part of the challenge was making sure those technologies were up to date and working properly. Um, a lot of days uh, you would come in and, you know, a camera would be disconnected or someone would bring in their own equipment and try to hook that up. Um, but the other challenge was that every organization had their own platform. You know, some were using Zoom, BlueJeans, WebEx, Teams. And this is before uh, it became the norm to be on video conferencing. Um, so, yeah, every day was just a challenge of, of getting people to uh, to figure out how that worked. And so you just have to be knowledgeable in all those different uh, those platforms um and things like that and so you know i just had you just have to learn you have to learn how how it all works how it all ties together how you can troubleshoot quickly and get people up and running um especially the environment when you know someone has a one-hour call it goes five minutes over someone else's call is starting late and they have to get in there and do their thing um really quickly so you just have to be on your toes a lot yeah um, and with regards to the facilities, uh, did you guys have anything that uh, you know, helped automate uh, the operations around the facilities? Yeah, good question. Um, I I wanted to implement that um, more as I as I came in. There were a lot of projects that that needed to be done, um, and unfortunately, that one kind of got pushed back a little bit. But what we did get to do is uh, automate room. Booking. So um, I kind of mentioned this a little bit, how uh, you, you go into a platform, you book a room for an hour. Um, if someone else walks by the room and sees that it's not in use when it was booked, um, what they could do, we figured out that you could use the little uh, Amazon IoT, Internet of Things buttons, and press the button. It would send an alert to the person who booked the room and let them know to cancel it so that someone else could book it. Um, and so, you know, obviously there's other ways that you can uh, use those buttons. You know, it, it's it's simply just a you press it and it's programmed to do whatever you tell it. Um, and so I did want to do that more as we went on, um, whether it was pressing a button for help request. Um, you know, if you press a button, it would say, hey, I'm in this X room and I need help now. Uh, if you pressed a button in a, another space, it would say, you know, the, this thing is out or it's not working. 
um, please come fix, you know, so that type of thing. So using buttons and automations to um, just really enable the people there to get their, you know, get the help that they needed without having to go through a long form or go through a process that, you know, was cumbersome to them. Um, so yeah, that was definitely something that, that I wanted to do a little bit more of. Um, mm-hmm. and we started to implement a little bit, but. Yeah, I think, uh, with it being a co-working space, that's, that's quite unique where, uh, you've got to be on top of it with, uh, you mentioned 50 different organizations there that are all sharing that one, one facility. And so you're going to be constantly dragged into a hundred different directions with what's going on and what needs to be resolved. So, um, being able to automate that, you know, certainly is a, a huge, huge point for, for you and also for your, your end customer. And looking at it, you know, five years out from now, um, how do you think automation is going to change facilities management, just the industry in general? Um, that's a another good question. I think that the more, you know, uh, over the past, what, nine months now, I did a lot of research into... Um, you know, COVID and how that's going to impact impact the workspace going forward. Um, and so, one thing that I do see is that co working spaces are going to become more of a thing as people uh, are more hybrid. They they can work from home. They've got their office set up, um, and so they want to come in. And so, you know, whether it's you know building some kind of automation that lets people know they're working from home certain days um or building you know i don't know if you use ifttt and zapier and things like that that you know enable people to do simple simple automations um but i just think it's going to be more of a in the picture going forward it um, just being able to quickly and easily let people know what is happening without, you know, a ton of uh, behind the scenes work. You know, you do all the work in advance and you're able to just, uh, you know, change status and it, it, it changes everything for the, for the organization. So I, I think it's definitely something that's um, people should be aware of that, you know, automations are going to make your work a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, it's working smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and specifically in that type of environment, it's just the communication, right? It's automating that communication, letting everyone know what's going on around the facility, uh, you know, what time frame, uh, how it's being done, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, automate text messages every morning that say, you know, this area is, is off limits this morning due to whatever, you know, instead of emails that get skipped over or someone doesn't read them in time or, you know, whatever, you know, automating message, like you said, messaging or alerts. Um, if you have, if you build a, an app um, that pops up and you get an alert that says, Hey, you know, this is the situation today. Um, then it'll just make everybody's lives a little bit easier. Yeah. And taking a step back again, highlighting that you're, your experience has really been in the nonprofit space and that's the direction that you're going with the consulting piece. Um, you alluded to budgeting and, and that being a big uh, component uh, of that industry. Uh, give me some more context there. What are you doing to make the most out of the limited resources that, that you typically have in nonprofit? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. I mean, it, that's a daily, <clears throat> excuse me, daily challenge in 
understanding where we're at with the current budget. Um, and so what I essentially try to do was just uh, have real-time updates. So like I, I use Smartsheet a lot. Um, some people like Airtable. Smartsheet, I think, is a little more business um, than Airtable. Airtable is built for, is more of a database, obviously. It's a relational da database. Or Smartsheet is Excel um, combined with like some ability to link things up. Um, but I really like Smartsheet uh, for its dashboards and linking spreadsheets and being able to say, okay, um, inputting this month's you know totals. Um, here's where we're at. I have X amount of dollars in our uh, operational budget that I can put towards sound masking, or you know we need to replace the the video conferencing in uh, X conference room, or we need to you know. We actually we're starting to have a problem with, um, you know, I'm sure you're aware of a uh, particle board, um, MS, MSB, um, where when it gets wet, it swells. So right behind the sink, we had a bunch of uh, this board that was starting to swell up and like all the paint was cracking and the glue was coming off. And it's like, all right, we don't have obviously the budget to, for someone to come in and do this, how can we uh, implement some small changes here and there? And so being able to understand the budget in real time um, is really, really helpful. And so, like I said, I just would go in, put those totals in, have a dashboard that says you're under by X amount this month, you're over by X amount this month, here's where you're at. Um, you know, you need to be able to make some changes. And so it's just a, um, yeah, being really on top of that um, in the nonprofit world is, is really, uh, really important in the for-profit sector. You know, you kind of understand that you're making a profit constantly as long as you're hitting your goals. And so you can understand that you have a little bit more to play with, um, or you have an accounting team who is doing this for you. <laughs> So, and they say, yes, approved, go ahead and spend $50,000 on sound masking. Right. Uh, so it's definitely a little bit different. Um, but, you know, the, the basic principle is the same, you know, understanding where you're at and, and being able to make quick decisions. Being detail oriented. You got to be in the weeds. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and when it comes to larger purchases or, uh, you know, having to use outside vendors, um, I'm sure you had to get creative there and with your, that organization being smaller, uh, how did you kind of work through that? Um, I guess, you know, one thing is that our organization, our parent organization, uh, was, I guess an organization called global integrity. And, and so the theme of this co-working space was transparency. And really in any nonprofit, any business, it's good practice, obviously, to get uh, at least three quotes, right, from any vendor, review those. Um, but they really made it a point that um, we wanted not only to get those quotes, but to have a transparent process that said, here's the qualifications that we reviewed everything on. Um, here's why we made this decision. Um, and so, you know, one thing that I found in for-profit was it was just, you get three quotes, you look at which one is the lowest, um, and you might take the, the middle one and say, hey, can you match this and go with that? 
um, versus nonprofit, you, I would have to have an interview with each one of them and say, uh, here's what we're looking at. Um, can you do, can you match? Can you do the same things? Is there anything else you can, you know, throw in? Um, you know, what is your overall process? Uh, is there anything we need to understand about your business that would, uh, throw our, or our uh, stakeholders off and you know make them question why we went with you uh, so there were a lot of a lot of things that went into that but like I said it's in any business it's always good practice to have to understand why you made a decision to go with a certain vendor um, you know you don't want to go with someone who just is your friend and you like them and um, you know you can't really do that um, so you need to just make sure that you document that that full process um, and yeah, just understanding what money you have to work with. You then so the other thing that's different is in nonprofit you have to go. I would do all this research, do the interviews, make my decision. Then I would send it to the management team and say, "Here's my recommendation." Management would, would say, "Okay, here's uh, Bruce's recommendation. Uh, we'll send it to the board. <laughs> board approves. Comes back." Uh, or the board might have questions and say, oh, well, I know uh, this company, you know, works with X. We can't work with them. Um, so then it comes back down and we have to. So it's a lot longer process. And so uh, expediency in, in nonprofit is not a thing. <laughs> and, and taking a look at just your career in general, uh, I like asking this question to everyone. What or who has made the biggest impact on you both getting into facilities management and then your career as a facilities manager? Um, that's a good question. So I think, um, so my, my dad was, was a mechanic. Um, he was, you know, I tinkered with cars from the day I was born. Basically he used to have a 69 Camaro that we would race around. Um, and so I, I was always, always, you know, doing, doing something with that. Um, so definitely there's, there's something to be said there that, you know, I was, always that person that was tinkering. Um, and so as I came out of college, I was a mechanical design major. Um, <clears throat> and that was 2008 when there were no jobs available. So, you know, my path just kind of took me in a, in a weird way. And I went through, you know, general management. And um, as I kind of weaved my way through, I was like, you know, what I really like to do is create a space that people want to come to that they are comfortable in that we, you know, we have great team camaraderie and, and things run really smoothly. Um, so it just kind of brought me to that operations uh, slash facilities management part, you know, being the person that makes things go in the background. Yeah, that's awesome. And what would be a piece of advice or a big takeaway uh, for someone that's interested in the industry and looking to get involved in facilities management or operations? Um, let's see. Piece of advice, huh? I would say uh, preparation. Uh, one of the things that we, uh, that I learned especially during COVID was that you can do all of the planning that you want, but you, there's just some things that are going to be outside of that. Right. Um, but the more scenario planning you can do, the more, uh, emergency preparation 
that you do, the better off you're going to be when the time comes. Um, so just be prepared to do the little little things that no one else wants to do um, because they're gonna they're gonna happen at some time, and you're somebody's going to be looking to you and say, "What do we do?" And so the the more prepared you can be, you know, if you have Go over your scenario plan. All right, if this, then that. If this, then that. If this, then that. Um, then you just go down your little logic tree. Now, did you have a uh, a plan for a global pandemic? Uh, I didn't actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I missed that one. <laughs> uh, a once in a hundred years type of pandemic. You didn't right. plan for it. Huh? Should have been listening to to Bill Gates <laughs> talking very recently about that. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, well, Bruce, certainly appreciate the time uh, here this morning and, and insight into to what you've been doing and uh, your, your thoughts on where this industry is going. So uh, great stuff. Certainly appreciate it. You have a, a great rest of your week and end of the year. Same to you. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and visit our website, stratumcommunity.com for more facilities management content.